Amen. Now I have to catch my breath. Praise the Lord. What a, what a great, great statement that David makes from Psalm 150 about the opportunity that God has given us to be praisers of the great Almighty. And, and, we're, and we're here this morning to do that. If you take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 2, I would like to help us as adults and young people um, get a little glimpse of what the Lord is doing um, this coming week. Before I do that, I was thinking in the uh, first song that we sang, as Dan referred to it also, um, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I uh, noticed that Mr. and Mrs. Antonian are here um, this morning. You guys want to stand so we can welcome the new, the new couple? Officially. And uh, you may be seated. We're glad, we congratulate you guys as they were married last week back from their honeymoon. And um, just thinking about that song and their, and, and their place in life now, their stage of life of establishing uh, a family, a home that is going to please the Lord and serve the Lord. Uh, what a blessing. And I was also thinking about my wife um, because 41 years tomorrow will be our uh, celebration of uh, saying yes to each other and uh, continuing to, to do that. And uh, way to go. It hasn't, it hasn't been easy for you. Uh, um, and it probably won't get any easier. So I'm just not making any promises, but uh, I am thankful for you. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, the theme of our vacation Bible school. The shirt that I'm wearing is, is for vacation Bible school. Living masterpiece from Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. For we are God's workmanship. We are God's workmanship. The theme, the, the kind of the idea of Vacation Bible School this week spark studio you know we're we're in a studio working on masterpieces working on our 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 skills and in all these various things and god has done that in us psalm 139 reminds us of the universal nature of this statement where he says this about all people and this is David saying this about himself and, and God making him. He said, for you, in verse 13, Psalm 139, 13, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well what a great statement to go along with what the apostle paul is talking about in the fact that god has made us and he made us amazing now sometimes we don't think of ourselves as being amazing we compare ourselves maybe to somebody else you know i'm uh, i'm a 
an ex-former old basketball player from back in the era of the short shorts and high socks. Um, and I, I actually wore one of those uniforms for children's message one time, and I, I did not get any appreciation for it uh, whatsoever. In fact, that was one of those really rough days of the 41 years. Um, and uh, and I, I'll probably never do that again, Cher. Uh, I never make any promises. Okay. I don't think of myself as too much of a basketball player when I, when I watch the NBA Finals. I think, ooh, I can't do that. I would like to think I used to could do that, but I think, no, I can't do that. Those guys are good. Sometimes we compare ourselves to others, and we don't, eh, we don't, think, our, we don't think that we're much. But when we remember, as David did in Psalm 139, as Paul points out in Ephesians 2, when we remember that God made us, I'm looking at little Annie back there. What a picture of this. She's a masterpiece of God. And we don't mind saying that about a, about a new baby. But what about us? It's true about us. We're a masterpiece because God is the, is the maker. God is the creator. God is the one who, who gave us life. God's the one. You know, we, we look at our bodies and say, I'm not too crazy about this aspect of my body. I'm not too, too crazy about this aspect, you know, not so my nose, my ears, you know. All. God did this. And he made us wonderful. He made us amazing. You know, as, as you get older and different body parts start breaking down more often, it get, it, we can even find it more amazing of how he can also fix them again. You know, do this right, do that right, these kind of things. And next thing you know, it's working again. It's, our bodies are amazing. But when, when the Apostle Paul is talking about us being God's workmanship. He's not only talking about the fact that we're created by God, that we're given life by God, that, that he made these intricate, amazing machines, these beings, you know, that, that work so well and, and, and do amazing things. He, he's not only speaking about that part of it. But you notice that he says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. He's, re- he's referring to a, to a second creation when he talks about us being God's workmanship. When he says that we're living masterpieces, he's talking about a second creation. He's suggesting that there's a flaw in the first amazing creation. The, the, the creation that, we're, that we are born in has a flaw. And that flaw is the sin nature that we're born into. Following in the example of our original father, Adam, being born with his sin nature. All of us, including Annie, are born in that. She hasn't, ex- well, she's probably expressed a little bit of it, you know, but not much. She'll give them that later. But because of the sin nature and because all of us have fallen prey to that nature and have, and have acted out on it and, and all of us have sinned, God does something new in those who believe. Look at just the verses that precede verse 10 of Ephesians 2. Look at verses 8 and 9. Many of you have this, these two memorized because they're so important to describe what God has done for us. Look what he says. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. 
And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Here he's recognizing we have a problem. We have a sin problem. But God did something about that by sending his son, the Lord Jesus, into our lives to recreate us. He said something very similar to this in in his in Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. Look in, at John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We often think when we think of John 3, of, of John 3.16, which we should. But look at verse 7 of John 3. In this conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus, look what he says. John chapter 3, verse 7. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. You must be born again. Our original birth was amazing, was fantastic, was miraculous in itself. But because of our following our sin nature and becoming sinners, we needed somebody to do something else for us to forgive us, to give us, a, to give us an opportunity to know God, to live as he created us, to, to serve him and to honor him. We had to have something change us, something make us new. And here Jesus is telling Nicodemus, you have to be born again. Your original birth wasn't sufficient. Oh, it's amazing, it's wonderful, but it's not sufficient. And so by grace, he says in Ephesians 2, by grace we're saved, by God's work in our lives, by his sending his son, the Lord Jesus, to come and die on the cross so that all of us who believe in him can be forgiven of our sins because he died there for our sins. Then Paul makes this amazing statement in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Look what he says. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that means they've received Jesus, they've accepted Jesus as the as the, the one who came to live a perfect life, to die on the cross for their sins, to rise again victorious so that they can so that he can give everybody that gift of eternal life. He says, all of us, he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. For the old has gone, the new has come. As amazing as that first creation was when we were born, as amazing as these bodies are, as amazing as our minds are, as amazing as our talents are. And again, we look at, look at these little pictures to see all these different kinds of talents that, that we have, and there are obviously many more. These things are nothing. These things are empty apart from this rebirth, this new creation that God makes when we put our trust in him. He makes us a new creation and then begins to use us according to his plan that's described here in, Second, in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, to do these good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. We can start to do that once we become that new creation. 
He describes it in a, in a great way a little bit further back in your, in your New Testament in Titus chapter 3. Look at this description of this, of this new work that he does in us when we put our trust in Christ. Look at, at Titus chapter 3, verse 3. This is a description of us. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. That's a description of people that were fearfully and wonderfully made. People that God designed. They did this. We did this. But look what he goes on to say about us. He said, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. There's a description of what Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about. You must be born again. You you need the Holy Spirit to give you new birth because you need him to give you this new life. You need him to, to forgive you of your sins because of what Christ has done for you on the cross. You need him to empower you, to enable you to live this life that he has planned and prepared for you for his glory. We can't do it on our own. As fearful and wonderfully made as we are, as these bodies are, as these minds are, we need new life. And here the Apostle Paul describes how Jesus gives it to us when he sends the Holy Spirit to live in us. At that moment when we say, yes, Jesus, I need you, he sends his spirit to come to live in us and do all of this work, making us heirs with Jesus Christ. You think about that. Some of you have, have been heirs. Some of you have been left. Um, you know, I know some of you, some, somebody's been left a used car, which is cool. Some of you have, have maybe been left, you haven't told me if you have, but some of you may have been, have been left with millions. You know, awesome, amazing. Can you imagine what it's going to be like to share in the inheritance of Jesus, the Son of God, being heirs with him of all of God's blessings for eternity. That's what we're looking forward to. In the meantime, we're in this, in this studio. We're in the studio. We're, we're working our skills. We're working with these gifts and abilities that God gave us, some of them at birth, some of them that we developed along the way, some of them when we put our trust in Jesus and he gave us these gifts of the Holy Spirit, some of those things now, we we work on all of those things. And he uses those things in our lives to help us to do these good works that he says he prepared in advance for us to do. And so while the kids are studying this week and learning this week about Spark Studio and about God's plan to, to build them and grow them, let's also make sure, even if we're not working this week in Vacation Bible School, if we're, even if we're just doing our normal work, 
let's remember that we are in his studio, wherever we are, being fine-tuned. Some of us fine-tuned on certain areas. Others of us starting from scratch. As we read the Word of God, we start noticing that this isn't looking too much like us. For example, in the, in the passage that I just read in Titus, and I read this, this section on what we used to be, and some of us are looking and say, that kind of still looks like me. There, there are aspects of that that I can still relate to in my current experience. Well, what do we do with that? We recognize that we are God's workmanship. We recognize that we are his living masterpiece. And we say, wait a minute, these brush strokes here don't belong on this masterpiece. And so I need to do something about that. First thing I need to do is recognize, okay, God, I'm looking like I'm too concerned with passions and pleasures. I'll pick that one for some of us. I recognized it. And now I'm going to say, Lord, help me. Help me to leave that behind. Help, the, help me to be able to say this in the past tense as Paul wrote it. This is over for me. I don't belong here. These things don't belong on this masterpiece. And so help me to leave those things behind. And on and on and on it goes as we look into the Word of God. He will find those areas in each of our lives that don't belong on his masterpiece. And we in the studio that he's put us in, your family, your workplace, your church, as we live life in this studio and we look into the Word of God and he shows us what needs to go and what needs to stay and what needs to come in, we commit ourselves to identify it and to ask him to help us. Sometimes another really important step to it is to seek out a brother or sister in Christ and say, hey, I, uh, I had a little confrontation uh, from the Lord this week and noticed that I'm entertaining some things in my life that don't belong in the masterpiece that he's created me to be. And so would you mind praying for me? And let me tell you this. I've asked a few people to do that for me, and nobody's ever turned me down. They've always said, yeah, I'll pray for you about that. And usually they say this. Would you mind praying for me about the same thing? Because that's me too. Because, see, that's all of us. And that prayer for each other, that identification of the fact that we aren't perfect yet, that, that all of the things of Scripture that he points out that he wants us to look like and to be like and to think like and to say like, all of those things haven't been finished yet. We're living masterpieces. We're still in production in that regard. Oh, it's a, it's, we're a finished work in the fact that once we put our trust in Jesus, we're completely and finally saved. It's, it's done. We don't have to wonder. You know, like we were, we were singing the song about the Lord Jesus returning. We can, we can hope for that and look for that and pray for that and sing about that with great expectation and anticipation, 
knowing that when he returns, he is going to take us with him. He is going to bring us into his glory. We can know that beyond a shadow of a doubt because our hope for that is not us. Our hope for that is not our original creation that he made us. Our hope for that is his new creation in us, that he has forgiven us of our sins through Jesus Christ. Completely gone. I cannot be judged for my sins because God has already placed the judgment of my sins on Jesus on the cross. That's why I'm forgiven. That's how I can know I'm forgiven, because he laid on him my sins. And that's how it is for everybody who calls on the name of the Lord. Anybody, anybody that's here, anybody that's with us online, any of us who call on him can be forgiven of our sins. And once our sins are forgiven, then there's nothing to stop us. There's nothing to to break our fellowship with God. There's nothing to keep him from from bringing us into his glory and allowing us to spend our eternity with him because our sins are forgiven, are taken care of. Paul said in Titus 3 that he did that according to his mercy. His mercy is amazing. You remember, remember, whenever you see the word mercy in the scripture, it means that he doesn't give us what we deserve. He doesn't give us what we deserve. If he did, if he gave us what we deserved, then we would have nothing to look forward to but complete and utter separation from him and punishment for all eternity in, in, a, in hell. That's all that we deserve because of our sins. But by his mercy, he doesn't give us what we deserve. In fact, he gives us what we don't deserve, and that's what his grace is. His gift to us is what we don't deserve, eternal life in his glory. And we have that assured for us. It's certain for us. It's guaranteed for us because we believe in Jesus. That's what his word says. That's what Paul was talking about when he says, by grace that we're saved through faith. That means believe. Not of works. Not stuff that we do. Oh, we've done some great things. If we, if we went around the room here and, and, and spent the whole day talking about the great things that people in this room have done, we have done some great, great things. But none of those great things would get rid of our sin. None of those great things would, would forgive us of our sins. But Jesus forgives us by his mercy. And then by his grace, he gives us eternal life. And in the meantime, while we wait on that eternal life, either the return of Jesus, which we sang for this morning, or our passing from this life, our our death, either way, we know that we will be with him. And in the meantime, we are in the studio. Turn with me to one more passage. Romans chapter 8, verse 8. A picture, excuse me, verse 28, Romans 8, 28, a picture of the studio that we live in. And we know that in all things, 
God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. That we might be conformed to the likeness of his son. On our normal Sunday mornings right now, we're going through the gospel of Mark in the worship service. Looking at the life of Jesus Christ and seeing what it is that he's conforming us into. But here and through our vacation Bible school this week, we want to recognize that our lives, everything about our lives is the studio that he has us in, making us more and more like Jesus Christ. That's what he's doing. That's where the living masterpiece comes in. He's doing this in us. He's making us like his son. And he uses all kinds of resources. He has all the resources of the world at his disposal. Not only of the seen world, but also the unseen heavenlies. He has all the resources to make us like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And some of those things, he knows this, that's why he wrote Romans 8.28. Some of those things don't look like the resources that he would use, at least from our opinion. Sometimes we, we look at what's going on in our lives and say, nah, I don't see this fitting in somehow to making me more like Jesus. And you know what this word tells us? It does. It does. Only God might see it. Only God, the wonderful counselor, the almighty God that we were singing about this morning, only God might be able to figure that out. But he knows exactly what we need to experience, to go through, to learn, to become more and more like his son. And the thing about it is, some of our experiences might be shared, but most of them are just ours. And he has all of us on the same, on, he has all of us going for the same goal to become more like Jesus, but he has, but he has us all on different paths, different experiences. And he has the ability to take all of it and make it good for the purpose of making us more like his son, Jesus. When we're like his son, mission accomplished. Masterpiece completed. It hasn't happened yet for any of us. The the proof of that is you're still living. He's still working. He's still got his brush out. And he's still working on it, saying, Rop just won't quite cooperate with me on this one. So, and so, I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to do it to get me to cooperate on that part of the masterpiece. Now, he's probably got various spots in Rop that need to be worked on in various spots 
on the canvas of you that need to be worked on. But you can be assured of this. He's working. He's working. Whether you recognize it or not, he's working. Now, my goal for you this morning is that you would recognize it. That you'd embrace it, that you'd accept it, that you'd receive it. That you'd see see yourselves as you're dropping your kids off, your grandkids off, or the kids of the church off, and, and bringing them to Spark Studio. That you'd see it, that you are also in the studio. And he has work to do. He's working in you. He's working on you. Because he has great stuff for you to do. Did you notice that? Good works for you to do. That he has prepared in advance for you. He's in charge of all this. He's got this. No matter what it is, no matter how long it takes, he is working a masterpiece in you because you are his workmanship, created in Christ to do these good works that he's prepared in advance for you to do. And so, welcome to the studio. Embrace it. Love it. Encourage others who are in it. And know that God, the, the, the master painter, the master sculptor, the master musician, the master dancer, whatever it is that he's, that he's working in you, he's got this. He's got you. And he will grow you into the image of his son because Jesus is going to be the firstborn among all the brothers and sisters. We're going to be looking like him because of the work that he's doing in us. And he will finish that work one day. He says that when we see him, we'll be like him because we'll see him as he is. That'll be the final touches. But in the meantime, enjoy, embrace the studio. And enjoy and embrace the master of the studio because he knows how to do this. Trust him. He will do it in you. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for the great work that we're expecting you to do through this week of Vacation Bible School. Some of us have been in Vacation Bible School for over 70 years. And we've seen you do amazing things during those weeks. But Father, we also recognize this morning that we're all in Vacation Bible School. We're all in Spark Studio. We're all in your laboratory. Where you're growing us. Where you're changing us. Where you're challenging us. Where you're fine-tuning us. Where you're rebuilding us. In the image of your son, Jesus. And we know that you have the ability and the will to work all things together for good for all of us who love you and are called according to your purpose. And so we pray that you would do this work as you've promised you would. And we give you thanks and praise for using all the right tools and all the right resources and all the right experiences to get this job done. Help us to cooperate. Fill us with your spirit.
so that when we see in your word or in song or in conversation an area of our life that isn't conforming to Jesus, that is still hanging on to that old Adam sin nature, help us to let it go. Help us to turn away from us. Help, help us to cut it off and to embrace the way that you have for us, the way of Jesus. Father, we know that there can always be someone here in our service or online that hasn't yet put their trust in Jesus. We're confident that there will be children here this week that haven't yet put their trust in Jesus. We pray that you'd be at work in their lives, that you'd be drawing them to faith, to belief, that what Jesus says and did is true, and that what he did is sufficient for them. So we pray for any here this morning, Father, that they would recognize that today could be their day to be forgiven of their sins and where they could have the assurance of eternal life because of Jesus being the Savior. Help them to trust him with their lives. And Father, help the rest of us to live this life for your glory, looking forward to that inheritance that you're going to share with us in glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.